This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon. This is Marshall Davis. It's a nice sunny day here in New Hampshire. We're having a warm spell and it's 70 degrees, which is unheard of for November in New Hampshire. So I'm making use of it and recording this outside, continuing my talks on Christian non-duality. In chapter 5 of John's Gospel, we find a story that teaches us an important truth about Christian non-duality. It is the story of Jesus healing a man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. It is much more than a miracle tale. Like all stories about Jesus in the Gospel of John, it is intended as symbolic. It is proclaiming the ultimate healing that comes about by realizing one's true self and waking up to eternal life. Jesus was in Jerusalem again for one of the Jewish feasts. We are not told which one. He comes into Jerusalem through the Sheep Gate to the Pool of Bethesda, where people were gathered to be healed. It was believed that the waters of this pool had miraculous powers at certain times during the holy days. People believed that an angel of the Lord came down and stirred the waters of the pool, and whoever got into the waters first after that would be healed. There was a man there who had been sick for 38 years. We're not told what his condition was, which means that he represents all people. Jesus saw the man lying there and said to him, Do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am coming, another steps down before me. At that point... Jesus says to him simply, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, the man was whole and picked up his bed and walked. On the surface, this is a physical healing story. But it's really a parable about being made whole in a spiritual sense. I use the phrase being made whole in a literal way. We are not little isolated parts of the whole tiny psychological entities encased in human bodies of flesh. We are the whole. And to wake up to the kingdom of God is to realize that we are already whole. It's just a matter of recognizing this. Jesus asked the man in the story, do you want to be made whole? The intention of the man is important. Buddha called it right intent. Most people do not really want to be made whole, and they don't even search for it. They've gotten used to the way things are, and they just assume that's the way it's always going to be. That's why most people do not search for or desire liberation, freedom, salvation, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. We prefer the human bondage. And to spend our lives escaping from freedom, as Eric Fromm phrased it. People 
convince themselves that there is something basically wrong with them and that's the way it's always going to be. They see a fundamental dis-ease in their souls. Different spiritual traditions use different words and concepts to explain what is thought to be wrong. Hindus call it ignorance or bondage. Buddhists call it suffering, dukkha. Christians call it sin and even original sin, saying that we're born this way. Calvinists call it total depravity. Christians see the whole world as fallen, and we are part of it. We have fallen, they say, from our primordial paradise into a condition of lostness, sin, separation from God, death, and condemnation. It's a dark view of the human condition. The man in the story here has convinced himself that his case is hopeless. He has been sick all his life and has convinced himself that this situation is completely hopeless. When Jesus asks him the question, do you want to be made whole, he does not reply the way we would expect. He does not reply, yes, yes I do, with all my heart and soul. Instead, he gives this lengthy excuse as to why it's impossible to be made whole. But Jesus does not accept his diagnosis or prognosis. Jesus sees the man as whole. It calls him to act upon it. Jesus tells him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And that's exactly what the man does. It's interesting, but it doesn't say there that Jesus healed the man. Jesus simply told him to get up. All it took was someone to point out to him that he could get up, that he was already whole, and to encourage him to trust it. Now, I'm not saying here that all physical ailments are in our heads and that illness is just a misunderstanding. Such a spiritual understanding of illness in some Christian circles has caused people not to seek medical treatment for themselves or for their children when they should, and many lives have been needlessly lost due to that approach. That's not what this story is teaching, and that's certainly not what I'm teaching. Now, in one sense, it is true that all illness is unreal, but only in the sense that the whole physical universe, you could say, is unreal in the ultimate sense, because the, the only reality is God. Everything else is temporary. Everything else comes and goes. Only that which does not change is real in an ultimate sense. And our temporal, physical existence, our bodies and everything about our bodies, comes and goes. And therefore, they're not real in this ultimate sense. And neither, therefore, are all the physical conditions of the body. But while we are living as persons in this physical world then we need to seek help in this physical world for these physical bodies. That means when we get sick, we seek medical attention. I don't think this story is about physical healing, really. It is metaphorical. It is a parable about how to be saved from spiritual dis-ease and suffering. Jesus showed this man that he was already whole. Jesus pointed that out to the man by simply telling him to get up. 
and carry his cart away from that place, that system that reinforced his belief and his own infirmity and brokenness and helplessness. Even though the text doesn't say it, I picture Jesus as reaching out his hand to pull the man to his feet to show him that he's whole. The truth is that we are already whole. The goal of all spiritual traditions is already here now. We are already saved, already free from bondage, already awake. We are one with ultimate reality beyond this physical world. We are what we seek. All spiritual systems propose some goal, just like this man had the goal of getting into the water at just the right time in order to be healed. Jesus showed this man he didn't need the water. He was whole just the way he was. All he had to do was get to his feet and then carry away that symbol of his bondage. That's what the man did. He rose, picked up his cot, and walked away. The rest of this chapter is Jesus and the author of the gospel expounding on the story. There's a lot here. I'm going to just mention a couple of things that were said. The most important is an observation by the author of the gospel. He says that as a result of this healing and Jesus' subsequent teaching about it, and I quote here, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, that's because he did this healing on the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So these religious leaders clearly heard Jesus teaching that he was equal with God, that his own true nature was divine. And Jesus makes it clear that this is all of humanity's true nature as well, insofar as they realize that they are one with him, and therefore one with the Father, one with God. Being one with Christ is being one with God. That is wholeness, is to see who Jesus really is and see, seeing who we really are. It's another interesting verse in this chapter. Jesus says to the religious leaders here who are accusing him of heresy, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. This gives us insight into Jesus' approach to scripture. You know, all religions have scriptures, at least, at least the major religions do, whether that be Muslims' Quran or the Jews' Tanakh or the Buddhist Sutras or the Hindu Vedas and other books or the, in the Christian's Bible. To different degrees, they see their scriptures as inspired. People find guidance from the divine in their scriptures. But what happens in time, in all these religions, is that the scriptures become substitutes for the divine. Instead of going to the divine, which inspired the scriptures, they go to the scriptures themselves and they stop there, thinking that in the scriptures there's eternal life. That's what Jesus is saying here. That is second-hand spirituality. I've seen this so much in my own Christian tradition when Christians, especially 
conservative and fundamentalist Christians do exactly this. And they use words like infallible and, and inerrant that should be applied only to God and apply it to the Bible. And they therefore, then they interpret the Bible in what they think is an infallible and errant way to take everything that these ancient writers are saying literally, even when it comes to science and history, complete with seven-day creation and talking serpents and donkeys and the sun standing still and floating axe heads. Jesus refutes that view of Scripture. He says to them, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. The purpose of the scriptures is to point people beyond the scriptures to the eternal one to which it points, so that they may share in that eternal life. But so many Christians miss the point. They do not come to the eternal Christ. Instead, they fabricate theological systems around and about the idea of Christ. They develop elaborate schemes of salvation that involve having to accept certain doctrines and practices. And other religions do exactly the same thing with certain beliefs and spiritual practices. But all of those are unnecessary. Like the man at the pool of Bethesda, we already have what we seek. We already are what we seek. All we have to do is get up and walk in it. It's just a matter of accepting it and trusting it. That's what faith is about. We are already whole. This story points us to that one reality. That's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.